Hey guys, welcome to my podcast. I pray you are empowered to walk in the fullness of your God design. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you. Today I'm going to be talking to you about that. I'm going to be talking to you about growth. Um, As Pastor said, I just uh, finished my fifth book called Enforcing Purpose. Um, If you have not read Enforcing You, this is the sequel to Enforcing You. Um, So you can read it if you want. Um, But the key to enforcing purpose in your life is when I discover not just who I am, but I discover how to enforce who I am. When I discover how to enforce my design in Christ. Uh, Let's be honest, sometimes it's frustrating as we grow in our relationship with the Lord and we grow in the knowledge of the kingdom and we grow in the knowledge of who we could be. We grow in the knowledge of who we're designed to be. And yet we live life all the way over here and sometimes that's that's frustrating. So as we grow in the knowledge of who we are and um, and, and a lot of times that just increases our frustration of not knowing how do I enforce my design. Um, You would think that the majority of the people that come in for counseling are unbelievers, but if I'm honest, the majority of the people who come for counseling are believers, and a lot of what they're challenged with is, um, I feel like there's more for me, I feel like there's more that I could be, I feel like there's more that I'm designed to be, but I can't seem to get there. I have all these obstacles in my life. I have obstacles from my past, I have obstacles in my mind, I have obstacles in my heart, I have obstacles in my marriage, in my finances, all of these things. Um, And so if you are in that place, Enforcing You is a book for you. Now, if you've already perfected you, (laughs) then you can jump right to Enforcing Purpose. Now, I say that in jest just because, again, the key to enforcing your purpose. How many of you know the Bible says that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, that he will grant us the desires of our heart? And so delighting ourselves in the Lord, part of that is discovering who I am and becoming delighted in who I am. Delighting myself in the Lord, but feeling the delight that God has for me. And delighting myself in the Lord is part of what brings up out of my design who I'm called to be, my purpose, my passion. And that's what enforcing purpose is all about. In the very first chapter, I, I wrote it, and it's called Design to Prosper. Now, I told this story this week, and I, I've been at a women's conference all week, and I was honored to uh, be a, co, uh, a co-speaker with two other very powerful women of God, and we were able to work off, uh, bounce off of each other, and so I'm, I'm kind of like up here right now. I was able to do a wedding last night, which is always exciting to be reminded of the covenant that God gives to us, and so I come to you on the heels of all of that, very excited to share with you what God has revealed to me about prosperity and our design to prosper. And so as I was writing this book, I shared with the ladies this weekend that I wrote the very first chapter not knowing what it was going to really necessarily be about. But I wanted to start by sharing that we are designed for a purpose. But before I could get to that place, I felt like it was important for me to share that we are also designed to prosper. So I wrote the book, I wrote the chapter, and then I put the title, Designed to Prosper, at the top. And I read it to my husband. Brad, I love you. And I said, do you think the the title, Designed to Prosper, being the very first chapter, is going to turn people off? Because they're going to immediately have the stigma about the prosperity gospel. And they're immediately going to be like, oh, it's one of those kinds. 
kinds of book. And they're going to kind of shut the thing. And he said, yeah, I think, it, I think it's kind of risky. And I said, perfect, I'm going to keep it. And so I kept the title, Designed to, design to Prosper, because I wanted to pull people in and really challenge them to think about what we've always been taught about prosperity and hopefully flip the script to really receive what prosperity is really all about. And so I began to write this chapter, and I'm going to bring to you kind of what the first chapter is talking about. Get the book. Get the book. If you're feeling frustrated, you listen, what is my purpose is the age-old question. Everybody wants to know what their purpose is. Believer, unbeliever, secular, Christian, Catholic, Baptist, Pentecostal, it doesn't matter. Everybody feels this innate need to know what is my purpose and how do I get there. Because nobody wants to get to the end of their life and think, what if I could have? Maybe I should have. What if I might have? Nobody wants to get to the end of their life and do that. So get the book. If you can't afford it, let me know. You can afford it. Invest in you. Okay? So the book starts by talking about how we are designed with a forward lean. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 10.38 that we are not of those who shrink back. But we are of those who are designed with a forward lean. That God has created us and designed us to shoot forth and to prosper. To continuously increase and to continually grow. We know that the very first blessing says that God blessed Adam and Eve and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now there's many, many things that we can talk about in that verse. Just that one blessing. But let me say this to you. That word blessed means I'm set up to prosper. Means I'm set up to succeed. Meaning God has designed me and he has created me that I would lean forward in life. And a lot of us have been hurt in life. We've been discouraged in life. We've been disappointed in life. We don't know where we're going. And slowly but surely, we find ourselves kind of leaning back, digressing from the dream that God placed in our heart. And I am here to tell you that God today wants to resurrect dreams in hearts. That there is a resurrecting power in this room today to bring back into life things that you have dismissed. Things the enemy has told you you're too old for. Come on. Things that your budget has told you you cannot afford. God is here today to resurrect those places in your heart and to bring your dreams back into life. If you do not know that God himself is a dream stirrer, he is a dream giver, you need to get back into the Bible and read it with a fresh eye. Because Jesus is always stirring up the dream in the heart of His of people. That's what he's doing. So God has designed us to lean forward. He has set us up to succeed. In Isaiah, it says, I will sing for the one I love. A song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and he cleared it of stones and he planted it with the choicest of vine. He built a watchtower in it. He cut out a wine press as well. What is he saying here? He's saying, I have a vineyard, and I planted it in the most fertile place. And I removed every obstacle and everything that would potentially keep that vineyard from bearing good fruit. And I had an expectation of that vineyard, so much so that I put a wine press in the middle of it because I was ready for it. 
grace. I was prepared in advance. I had already decided in advance that I'm going to plant this vineyard in a place that it will be so fruitful that it will bring forth good fruit and we're going to get some yummy wine out of this. Hallelujah. <laughs> I always get a hallelujah out of that. And it goes on and says that he looked for the crop of good grapes, but it only yielded bad fruit. What is wrong with us? We got to work really hard to spoil what God has planted. That's right. Come on, that's a word. I think we're working harder at preventing God from doing what we're designed to do. I think we're working harder at putting walls up. I think we're working harder at hating people than we are at loving people. And the enemy is a liar and he is stealing our mental and our emotional energy. Because we're working so hard protecting ourselves. We're working so hard trying to make it happen instead of allowing the causation of the kingdom to come up out of our design. Yeah. Yeah, we'll say that again. There's a causation of, a of the kingdom that should be coming up out of our design. That as I delight myself in the Lord, he will grant me what? The, he will grant me what? The desires of my heart. What? Because religion has told me my desires are of the flesh. The world has told me my desires are ridiculous. My finances tell me my desires are too big. My circumstances tell me it's not time for my desires. Put your desires to bed. Put them to sleep. Put them to death because it can never possibly happen. They're too big for you. But I'm here to tell you that you can never out-imagine our God. Because the Bible says that he is immeasurably greater than we can ever ask or imagine. So as much as you have imagined, he's imagined bigger. As much as you have seen, he has seen bigger. As much as you have fathomed, he is an unfathomable God. You cannot outthink God. You cannot out-imagine God. Amanda, I don't know if you know this or not, but that passage you quoted that, he quoted that said, He will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is stayed upon thee. If you read that in the Hebrew, that word mind there is one of the few times it's interpreted from the Hebrew word that actually denotes your imagination. So he's saying not just him who keeps his mind stayed on me, but him who gives me and grants me their imagination. That's the dream. Come on, that's a good word. That's the dream. Him whose imagination is stayed upon me. God, no idea where I'm at my notes. But God is good. Because he's designed us to be fruitful and he's designed us to, be, to multiply. That word fruitful in the Hebrew means para, which means to bear fruit. More specifically, to cause to bear fruit and to show fruitfulness. When I show fruitfulness, that's the evidence that God is with me. If you remember in the New Testament, Jesus saw a fig tree that looked as though it was going to bear fruit, but it wasn't. And he cursed it. The only place in scripture where we see something come to death in the presence of Jesus. Say that again. The only place in Scripture where we see something cursed or coming to coming to death in the presence of Jesus, because where Jesus is, there's always life. Where Jesus is, there's always fruit. Where Jesus is, there's always resurrection. Where Jesus is, there's always healing. Where Jesus is, there's always love. There's always power. There's always breath. And so we learn something in there that Jesus sees something about this tree that we don't see. And that is it's not going to bear fruit. And without fruit, it's evidence that that tree was dead. And though we couldn't see it, the roots of that tree was dead. And so God says, I have designed you 
that you would be fruitful to the point of there being evidence of life in your roots. That we should be living life of evidence that God is with me and I am on the move and I'm living my life leaning forward. I told the ladies this weekend in Proverbs 31, it says that she laughs at the days to come. You want to know why she laughs at the days to come? Because she's looking forward. She's leaning into it. She's anticipating that my tomorrow is going to be better than my today. Because I'm a woman of God and if I'm a woman of God and God is with me, then I know is better than my today. I have no fear of my tomorrow. I have no fear of the unknown. But I look into the future with great anticipation, with great adventure, knowing that God is out in front of me and he's going to do greater things tomorrow than he's doing today. That's why we laugh at the days to come. Man, you can laugh at the days to come too. All right. Multiply. The word multiply, rabah, means to become great. Many, to become numerous, or great, great, grow greatly, to make large, to enlarge. But it also denotes the idea of to shoot. Alright, so when God says, I have designed you, I bless you to be fruitful and to multiply. What are we talking about? To shoot. Visualizing something propelling forward with a great force. That's that forward lean that we're talking about. I have blessed you. Listen to it. He's not saying this is what you should be doing. He's saying this is what I've caused in your life. All you need to do is what? Delight yourself in your Lord. Just rest. Yes. I've shared several times this week because I've preached several times this week that God has been revealing to me more and more through the story of Abram and in Genesis. And I love that in Genesis 15, when it was time for the sealing of the covenant, God put a deep sleep on Abram. And he slept while God kept his covenant. Because God says all we have to do is rest and believe him for covenant and he will do it. Because he's a God of covenant and he keeps his covenant. He cannot go against his word. And we, we have the ability, we've been granted the blessing of resting while God fulfills the covenant in our lives. I'm going to say that again. We have been blessed. Listen, when it's time to seal the deal for the covenant to come into play, God said, Abram, just rest, baby. I got you. I got this. So this is, we're not talking about you need to do this, you need to do that. I'm talking about delighting yourself in the Lord and allowing the causation, the design of who you are designed to be, to come into manifestation and into fruition in your life. Many of you know, I know uh, Pastor mentioned that uh, I'm the founder of Crazy Ministries. I'm going to talk to you a little bit the opposite about prosperity because I'm going to go into a little bit more about prosperity. But let me talk to you for a minute about poverty. Because that's the opposite. And we have, again, put this poverty into a box of saying poverty is all about what's around me. It's all about what's in my pocketbook. It's all about what's in my resources. But how many of you know that when we're working people with our program, about 20% of our time is spent in dealing with resources on the outside. And about 80 to 85% of our time and our energy is in dealing with this and this. We're totally focusing on their mind and their heart. Because their poverty isn't about what's on the outside. Their poverty is about what's going on on the inside. It's about what's going on in their heart and what's going on in their mind. I'm making a point here because I'm, I'm going to debunk what we think.
the, the synonyms for the word poverty. Deficit. Fan, I, I, told, I told the ladies yesterday, I, was, I can barely read these words without feeling just, just the evil of how the enemy works in our lives. Deficit. Famine. Lack. Scarcity. Scarcity. Shortage. Barrenness. Beggary. Impoverished. Insufficiency. Pauperism. Poorness. If those are evil words, counterintuitive to our design, I don't know what is. Completely opposite of our design. People ask me all the time, do you believe in a prosperity gospel? And I say with confidence, I definitely don't believe in a poverty gospel. Because if you read the Bible I'm reading, it's all about God moving his people from a land of lack to the land of plenty. It's all about God moving his people from decrease to increase. It's all about moving God and his people from the desert into the abundance. It's all about God moving his people from darkness into light, from smallness into bigness, from weakness into power. Come on. It's all about prosperity. I don't know what Bible you're reading in, but the Bible I read is all about growth. It's all about increase. It's all about more than enough. It's all about abundance. It's all about overflow because that's the kind of God we serve. And I am designed in the image of God. It is in my design and there is a causation in me that is causing me to increase. And it's not because I ate too much during Corona. It's because God is with me. It's because God is with me. Now listen to me. Poverty starts in the head and in the heart. So attacking poverty is all about addressing what we believe. But it's most importantly addressing what we believe about who we are. It's about addressing the identity. In Numbers 13, it's talking about the Israelites. And God had set them free from Egypt. And they had gone through the wilderness. And the entire purpose of that was God says, I have a land for you. I have a place for you. I have fruitfulness in mind for you. You will reap a fruit that you did not sow. Come on. You're resting while I'm doing. You're sleeping while I'm fulfilling. You're at peace while I am working. I'm watching over my word. That's what Psalm 121 is all about. When he says, I do, I do not sleep. I do not slumber. I am always awake. I am always working. I am always fulfilling your life with my favor. Goes on and says in Numbers 13, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community. This is when they sent out the spies and said, go and check. Go, you know what? Maybe God's been lying to us. Maybe he's not a God of his word. He's been saying all this stuff. I got to check God. I got to put him to the test. Come on, that's what they were doing. Go send spies and check and make sure. And what's interesting is we know that God says send those spies in because God knew what was going on in their hearts. I know that you're struggling. I know that you're, you're having a hard time believing me. I see the doubt in your heart and your mind. I know you need evidence. And that's okay, baby. I'll give you the evidence that you need because I'm that kind of a God. And so the spies go and it says they reported back to the whole assembly and showed them fruit of the land. What did he bring back? Evidence. Surely God is a God of his word. He knew that we were doubtful and he 
They gave Moses this account. We went into the land that you sent to us, and it does indeed flow with milk and honey, and here's its fruit. But, everybody say but. but. All right. I tell students all the time, when you see a but in scripture, it's either going to say but the people or but God. Yeah. And always remember this. God's butt will always be bigger than the people's butt. Yeah. It's bigger than your butt. Yes. But the people. But the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Gav and the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country and the Canaanites. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> you understand? There's no way this fruit could be real. Because there's all this stuff in my life. There's all these reasons. There's all these circumstances. There's all these barriers. And they're too big for me. They took their In a moment, their identity shifted from I'm a child of God to I'm a grasshopper. This isn't about they've lost their identity to their circumstances. Listen to me. They saw the resources of God. The poverty mentality wasn't the lack of resource. The poverty mentality was here and here. It was their inability to prosper with the resource. It was their inability to prosper in their identity. It was their inability to prosper in their design. It was their inability to get into an alignment with the causation of the kingdom that says there's fruit already here for me. All I have to do is believe God for it. And in a moment, they absolutely shifted their identity from what God said to what the ites were saying. To what their spiritual eye was showing them. To what their natural eye was showing them. Even with the evidence of the natural eye. They moved away from it. But listen to me. Although their fear and unbelief resulted in them being stuck in the wilderness. It did not negate the establishment of the blessing. It did not negate the establishment of the promise. See a lot of us think. Well since I'm not prospering. Since I'm not in the promise. Since I'm not living abundance, that must mean that God isn't really a God of prosperity. See, we try to redefine God to fit our circumstances. Instead of really asking ourselves some hard questions and saying, if I really believe that this is who God is, what is it in my own life that is keeping me from coming into an alignment with it? But it's easier for me to say, well, let me just change God to fit my experience. Let me just change his nature to fit what I'm experiencing. Let me just change his character. Let me change his word. And that way I can say I'm a good Christian and I'm living in the fullness of God when we're not. You can't change God. You can't change his nature. You can't change his character. You can say you can say it, but you can't change it. Scientifically, in order for something to be classified as living, it must grow and develop. It must use energy and it must re reproduce. If it is not doing those things, a scientist will declare something is dead. But we don't have that same mentality because we're afraid to embrace a prosperity gospel. And in doing so, we throw the baby out with the bathwater. 
Because people have said that prosperity is all about what's around us instead of what's inside of us. What's going on in our heart and our mind. So let me talk to you about prosperity mentality. We talked about poverty mentality. Let's get to the point. Prosperity mentality is the state of being prosperous. It denotes the idea of thriving with evidence. The Hebrew word for prosper means, listen to this, because it's not what you think it is. Can I just say that? It's not what any of you guys are thinking it is right now. The Hebrew word, I love it. The Hebrew word is to rush, to advance, to progress, to succeed. And the primitive root word for the Hebrew for prosper means to push forward in various senses. And it means to break out. Here's that forward lean. That's that forward lean. It means I'm going to push forward despite what I see. There can be obstacles in front of me, but God says I'm designed to prosper. So I'm going to push forward. You know, in the, in the New Testament, when Jesus says, speak to the mountain and it shall be moved. Speak to your mountain and it shall be moved. It doesn't say pray to God and have him move it. It says you speak to it. You move it. I'm going to push forward because it's in my design. And there's a causation of the kingdom happening in my life. And I'm going to shoot forth and I'm going to advance. And I'm going to speak to any mountain and I'm going to tell it to be moved in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to ask God to do what he's given me the power and the authority to do. Go back to the very first blessing when he says stand upon the earth. Subdue it. Have dominion. Be the head and not the tail. Be above and not beneath. That's what he's talking about. Stop waiting on God to do what he's putting into you to do. Speak to your mountain. Tell it to move. Tell that mountain. You, oh, I'm sorry. Have you seen this? Have you seen what God has designed? Y'all, that was a joke from the weekend. I'm sorry you didn't get it. Let me tell you the joke. So at work, a lot of times I come in and I'll be like, skipping, la, 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 and they're always like, oh, she's in a good mood. And I'll be like, dude, have you seen this? Have you seen what God is doing? Have you seen what God has done? Have you seen the gifts of God within me? Have you seen the anointing? Have you seen the power? Have you experienced the authority? Have you seen this? And some of us need to be a little more confident in what God is doing in our lives. That's not being arrogant. That's being confident that God is working through me. I am tired of people telling us that it's arrogant and prideful to boast on the gifts of God. When Paul says, I will boast all the more. Because God has risen up in me a power and a strength even in my, my greatest weakness. I'm going to boast in that. Have you seen this? Have you seen what God is doing? Come on, let's make it real. Have you read the books? Have you heard me preach? Come on, what do you guess? Have you heard a man sing? Have you seen this? Are we enamored with how God is using his people? Have you seen the businesses coming out of people's lives? The innovation coming out from people? The creativity, the solutions? Have you seen his people? Have you seen it? Because God is doing a great thing through his people. And if we can't be enamored with it in ourselves, how is anybody else going to be enamored with it? God, we got we have not made an attractive kingdom. Because we are so weak and puny and afraid to say that we do something good because I don't want to be accused of being arrogant. Isn't that what David said when he showed up in the line? He said, I'm sorry, have you seen this? Don't you remember that we are the children of God? 
looks like Goliath and his brothers. The people of the kingdom looked at them and him and said, you're arrogant and you're proud. Go on home. When David was just confident in his desire. Listen, uh, have you seen me kill the bear and the lion? Have you seen me pull a sheep out of a lion's mouth? Have you seen this? Have you seen what God has done in my life? Have you seen how he's developed me? Have you seen how he has grown me? Have you seen how he is using me? I'm sorry, I guess you haven't seen what God is doing. But just because you don't see it doesn't mean I don't see it. Because God has put a causation in my life. And everything that I did yesterday, I'm expecting tomorrow will be better. You bet your bottom dollar this fifth book is my best book. And the sixth one will be even better. I expect that because God is prospering me. He's growing me in wisdom. He's growing me in revelation. He's growing me in character. He's growing all the gifts within me.
didn't say anything about my pocketbook. It didn't say anything about resources around me. It talked about the reproduction, the regeneration, the blooming, the fruit, the shooting forth, the advancing, the progression of my life. And it's unfortunate the world has convinced us that the only evidence of thriving is stuff. Material things. My God, my God. What have we done? We've distorted the whole idea and the whole concept of prosperity. Listen, we cannot confuse the design of the spirit with the cravings of the flesh. We must not allow the world to distort the beauty of the kingdom prosperity with worldly riches. The Bible tells us in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit at the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He delights himself in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf never withers. And it goes on and it says, whatever he does, prospers. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you, God, for writing the word of God. Amen. That I've already decided that whatever I do, because I'm walking to the best of my ability in the counsel of God, I'm meditating on the word of God, the law of God, day and night. And God says, I'm like a tree. Come on now, Lisa, you are a tree planted by a stream of water. You are yielding your fruit in season and out of season. Whatever you do prospers in Jesus' name. I cannot declare that on myself? Absolutely. Because that's what the word says. It is God's heart to bless his children. It is in his nature to spoil us. We are spoiled brats. Yes, we are. Praise God. Can you guys, we see where like moms and dads just give their kids stuff because even when they're naughty and they don't deserve it. Yes, yes, yes. Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, yes. Spoil me. Yes, I've been a brat. Yes. yes, I've been fussy. I've been fussy outside. I've been fussy inside. Yes, yes I have rebelled. Yes, I've told you no. Yes, God, I've been a rebellious child. Yes, God, I've gone astray. Yes, God, my heart needs a lot of fixing, but it delights the Father to spoil me as his child. Amen. And so that's what they're going, it's okay, baby, have a dum-dum. <laughs> Just eat your supper. It's okay. We look at those parents, and we're like, why are you spoiling your child? And I wonder if some of y'all, I'm not here to tell you not to spank your children if they're naughty, but... I'm saying there's a beauty in the spoiling because it delights the Father to bless his children. That's what the scripture says. I'm going to read to you this excerpt directly out of my book. Get the book. Y'all get the book. Personally, I believe that prosperity is directly connected to the fulfillment of your identity and the fulfillment of your purpose. That's what it means to prosper. It has nothing to do with what's around me. It means I'm coming more into my image. I'm coming more into my design, and I'm coming more into my purpose. That my life is becoming more powerful, more intentional, more purposeful on a daily basis. And the more I come into it, the more I'm prospering in the kingdom. Goes on and says, it's more about that than it is about your pocket. Yeah. Meaning that prosperity is experienced as your God design, and as your God purpose is fulfilled. Your fullness is His promise. That's the promise of God. A promise. 
that I will bring you up into the fullness of your God's design. I am not willing that any should perish, but that all will come to know him. That's what he's talking about. He says, I will consider it joy when you face trials and tribulations of all kinds because you know that the testing of your faith builds and deepens your perseverance. And perseverance must have its finished work because I don't want you to be lacking in anything. I want you to be mature in all things. That's the fullness and the fulfillment of his promise. That's prosperity yes, in the kingdom. That is your promised land and your prosperity. It is being who he called you to be and pursuing the stirrings of your own heart. It is living in victory and fulfilling the call that keeps you awake at night. Simply said, it is where you thrive. Listen, where I thrive is different than where you thrive. Where I thrive is different than where you thrive. God has a thriving spot for each one of us. Find your thriving spot and thrive. Do what you're designed to do. That's a yeah, genius statement. Find your thriving spot and thrive. Allow the thriving of the kingdom to come upon you. Just step into it. Get your spot. Get in your lane. Stop looking to your right. Stop looking to your left. Get in your lane and be confident. This is my lane that God has called me in. And if he's called me in it, you cannot help but thrive. When I'm life coaching people, I tell them there are two things that will keep you from thriving. Number one, fear. Number two, you're in the wrong lane. We have to find out, is it fear or am I just in the wrong lane? Get in your lane and thrive. This is kingdom prosperity. You must believe that God has this in mind for you. It is his desire. It is in your DNA. He designed you to be productive and to feel productive. Come on. Amen. I want to feel productive. Yes. Yes. I don't want to go to bed at night going, what was this day all about? He has designed you to thrive and to live life leaning forward. Shooting into your destiny. Listen, you are set up to succeed and you are designed to prosper. No matter your circumstance, no matter your mindset, there is a kingdom narrative that is being spoken in this room that should shake us up and flip the script. It should flip the script. Because you and I are designed to believe productively. Consider honestly, if you are missing out, if you're living in lack, if you're living in just enough. Come on now, somebody, somebody in here today just needs to flip the script. Yep. Yes. We're just going to flip the script. Yes. I'm just going to flip the script for you in Jesus' name. I'm going to flip the script right now in Jesus' name. I'm about to do an altar call if the worship team wants to come back up. But we're going to flip the script today. We're going to flip from, I've settled in, I'm afraid to dream too big. Come on now. God is resurrecting some dreams in this room. There are things that you guys have put to death, and God is saying, I'm resurrecting those dreams. Those dreams that you had when you were a child. Those dreams that you had when you were young. Those dreams you had when you had the energy. Those dreams that you had long times ago, and you have, done, you have put them to bed. And I believe that God is resurrecting dreams. I believe we are in a season where God is resurrecting dreams. And with it, he is resurrecting people. And I believe we're going to be finding and seeing people come up from the woodwork and come up into the foreground. And they're going to be leading our nation. And it's going to start in their heart with their own dreams. They're going to push back fear. They're going to push back barriers. They're going to remember who they are. And they're going to allow the causation of the kingdom to come upon them. They're going to rise up in a dream that is bigger than they ever thought. And they're going to begin to allow the causation of the dream to come to pass. 
So God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, for our design. We thank you, God, that you are causing us. You are causing us in this room to become more confident in our design. Come on. I'm going to be confident in my design. This isn't about something you need to do. This is about what God's already done. It's about what he woke into you. It's about what he already ordained. It's about what he's already established. Listen, just because you don't get into the promised land doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It was there. It was on the other side. They could see it. They could probably smell it when the wind would blow. They could smell the milk and the honey. God's promise was there. It was their mindset that needed to change. And so, God, we're flipping the script today. In the name of Jesus, you do it, God. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to click subscribe so you can catch each episode every month. I want you to walk in your fullness. For more information about other services and resources, head to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. You can also find me on YouTube by searching Lisa Schwartz LLC. I look forward to connecting with you. Remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you.